and welcome back to our Anchor podcast, anchor.fm forward slash Gapsmacked. And this is beyond, Eddie, this is beyond the violent beast that had almost taken over Jamil and Jamil's identity and was then deflated again because after Jamil had met with Eddie the second time, Eddie was now half the size of Jamil when in fact he was twice his size when Jamil was 10 years old and he had resulted, well, that's when his life went on a completely different course when he was bashed and that was in the past episode so you can listen to those or listen to the summary. By now, there's a part that's not mentioned in the book, but by the age of 13, which is the last chapter ended when Jamil was 16, but before that, from 13 to 16, he was coming extremely disillusioned with piano and would, and being out in public and decided that he didn't want to practice anymore. Now, one of the problems that Jamil had developed was that his savant skills that he did not yet know he had allowed him to learn the piano just by listening to cassette tapes and then score a perfect score at the Conservatory of Music, which we've discovered. But it also meant that he wasn't able to read music. And we now find, we find out many years later that, in fact, the part of his brain, the visual part of his brain, the ability to take in visual information is actually quite limited. Uh, hence why he's a savant, not a, not a genius. So by the age of 16, he was, it had been three years of him moving away from music, away from piano, away from the one thing that in his life, I guess he was superior at or was competent at or could be valued at. So he was now a worthless, in his mind, human being uh, and had become something that he wished he could wake up from, some sort of nightmare. He was still focused at this point, at the age of about 16 or so, 17, on the charismatic abilities of both Nathaniel and the priest in his life, Father Sam, Simon. Both would spend an unusual, what he would call, from the autistic perspective, an unusual amount of time asking others about their conditions. And that's his, it's very subtle, but that's how the autist and Jamil without therapy and explanation to understand neurotypical behavior, that's what he actually thought that people were being asked by Father Sam Simon and Nathaniel. When in fact they were saying, how are you? That we now know, most of us know here, how are you is a phrase used to engage with people. It doesn't literally mean that someone is wanting to know about your condition or conditions. And that sentence can be easily missed when reading the book. And of course, for those who are just joining us, here is the book, Speaking Human, Volume 1. The subtitle uh, I discovered, of course, is offensive in America for some reason, and increasingly so in Australia. Uh, 20 years ago, it uh, just meant someone who had a mental disorder or deficiency or condition, but of course now, no longer. So, unfortunately, I didn't know that when I made the subtitle of the book, but there you go. Enjoy it. That's what I was called, So, or that's what Jamil was called. Um, strange it was, Jamil notices, that men became a priest. One of these charismatic men became a priest while the other became a street thug. Now, I'm very sorry to Nathaniel. Obviously, that's not how I view him today. Uh, but that is, as a kid, something that I looked up to. And it wasn't that I looked up to being a thug necessarily or that Nathaniel was actually a thug in real life as opposed to just in my own mind. Uh, but... 
what's the best way to explain it? Um, it looked as though the consequence of obtaining such charisma either led someone into complete opposite domains that I thought of at the time, or Jamil thought of when he existed. So either a priest or a street thug somehow had something in common and that they were fueled by this charismatic personality. So now Jamil, by the age of 17, 18, was now remapping human categories. So instead of people that look like each other, he was now mapping them on their ability to generate human interest in them. And that was something he desperately wanted. He wanted very much like many autistic people to have friends and to be liked and had no idea how it was done. He was slowly copying certain things and behaviors in the people who were able to generate this interest in themselves. And he noticed one thing, of course, that was they would inquire about people's conditions. How are you? Exactly. They would show unusual interest in other people. And that would, of course, bring interest back onto them. So that was something he noticed. And he started putting people in those type of categories, as I said before. And he started rehearsing every movement and geometrized facial expression he could memorize from observing adults such as Father Sam and Nathaniel. He wanted to see how they stood, how they shook hands, where, where they stood in comparison to their feet, where their feet, how far their feet were, were from other people they were talking to, how long they would talk to each people for, where they would position their head when they shook hands with other people. Interesting thing that Jamil noticed as a younger kid was how they would look at people. But he didn't realize they were making eye contact. He thought they were staring at their faces. And that's what Jamil did up until 20 on that very infamous short-lived date uh, where he was told that he needed to make eye contact, which was something very strange uh, to him. He had no idea why that was important. Father Sam Simon um, was someone fascinated with Jamil's natural ability at the piano that he had just been keeping to himself over these last three years of officially leaving the Conservatory of Music Studies. He asked Jamil if he could join the choir. And <laughs> Jamil thought that the choir sounded like they were being stepped on by, well, they were bagpipes being stepped on or trampled upon by a chorus of bulls. <laughs> it's quite terrible. Now, the age choir sounded, but it was when they had all left that a wine-filled Father Sam Simon. So it gives you a part of his characteristic where inebriation or slight inebriation was something that he would experience and sing as they were perfectly synchronized keyboard of opera voices. He had an amazing voice that sounded like three or four voices all combined into one. And it must have been so that people were going there to hear that guy sing because his singing voice was unbelievable. It's, it's one of the best I've heard that I can remember of any professional. And in hindsight, it does sadden me that his abilities were localized to one place when they could have been heard all over the world. Why does that sadden me? That's a whole other topic. We won't even get into that. Um, it was on one of these occasions before heading home to his long-term female friend. So as you can see, we have someone here who had living with them a long-term female friend, and that's as far as it goes. Nobody in Jamil's life would know what that meant, if it meant anything, and that secret goes with him to his grave. Not that I really care, but the point is that you can see that, first of all, the priest's wine field has an amazing voice, 
and lives in an unorthodox manner as you would expect or as, from what you would traditionally expect from a Catholic priest. So you can see that this is someone who it makes sense that they would have valued Jamil. And he turns out to be the only person that Jamil felt understood him or valued him as a human being uh, for, for the first years of his life, of Jamil's life, or the first two decades. And in hindsight, we can see now, I guess I can see now that Father Sam Simon really did genuinely appreciate Gabriel and his abilities and his unique uniqueness in a way that Jamil never really understood until he became me as an adult. Because m myself now, looking back at little 19, 18-year-old Jamil, little, he was the same, same height as me, uh, but younger, a lot younger, um, especially his mind was the mind of a 12-year-old. And I talk about that on my Wednesday Wisdoms. I'll be talking about that soon again, where Jamil at age 19 was trying to make friends by showing how far he could spit. Um, but unfortunately, he was using the Statue of Mary, a religious icon, as the yardstick. And he absolutely, because of the autism, had no idea, no idea. He thought that the other people would think that he was great for being able to spit that far. And so I want friends, look how far I can spit. That's what Jamil was doing at 19 and 20 as an adult, and which is what you would expect from a child. So you can see how much younger Jamil was even at that age. And that's the person I'm describing right now that you know, Father Sam Simon saw as, probably saw as a prodigy. He actually did say, I could become anything I wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, in the form of saying, by the age of 30, you will be a millionaire. That's, that's what he said, but I took that literally at the time, of course. And that was another prophecy that needed to be fulfilled when he passed away, which is what we talk about as well in the book. Three, three seconds of eye contact with another human. Unfocusing my gaze was enough. Without unfocusing my gaze was enough. So it shows how difficult it was to make eye contact for Jamil. So Father Sam was pushing Jamil to play louder than the other keyboardists at church. And Jamil felt terrible for doing this. And the other two keyboardists eventually left. I see that as a small tragedy. Now, their talent was severely limited. But for them to have left, I guess it's the way I analyze it today is that they wanted at least to either be heard or, felt, or feel useful. And if they couldn't be heard then they couldn't be useful, and so they left. And that must have been part of their motivation, or I'm guessing as a hypothesis. You can add comments below on YouTube if you think otherwise, or want to add to that. You can also add comments at anchor.fm forward slash gabsmacked, and this broadcast will be sent out to my Twitter feed, of course, as well, at Twitter, uh, at anautist, A-N-A-U-T-I-S-T, anautist. So the church population did increase without question and whether or not father sam simon loved the fact that i was bringing extra money into the church who knows something i never asked about never thought about but there were people who wanted my autograph wanted to meet me after a while um, said that without me that they wouldn't even go to the church or that church was miserable before you know they would say me that type of thing which jamil knew was because of his keyboard playing, but he was being appreciated and it definitely was intoxicating. The church hymns Jamil discovered were quite abhorrent. And what he did, as if you go to my YouTube channel, you will notice that 
there was there's one video called I think remixing a church hymn that I remixed at 17 or something and you'll notice that when I play it how different it is <laughs> how the reactions I've had thus far by people and and I'm more surprised by other people's reaction because to me of course it feels normal that I would create such a piece but people uh, you know they start making comments like how is that even human that you come up with this especially at 17 etc etc out of shock that doesn't mean that it's superhuman it, it's just interesting that people react that way especially for me because I'm to me it, it seems as though someone's saying wow how did you turn on the light switch that's amazing and that's not from any condescending perspective at all at all at all it's it's just shock because it doesn't feel like a superpower and so Jamil would never have known the point is that Jamil would never have known his abilities of his abilities he just thought he was the reject that people pointed out to him like to point out to him on a daily basis that he was and wasn't able to see his his qualities his positive qualities so there are other mentions of other people who had completed the whole conservative music course who were also astounded at Jamil's natural ability because he could play things from the eighth grade of music that other kids at school were playing or his peers that had already completed the eighth grade and he would sit down and play it straight after them just after hearing it once and they would find this phenomenal. Um, he would just think that they were laughing at him or maybe just weren't that good or maybe he was that good but possibly not if I think back to the music centre. But the fact, what I do remember is that when kids made that comment or when peers, my peers made that comment such comments, they would then forget and go back to their old group. So Jamil would want them to be friends with him and thought they would be friends after that, but it wouldn't be the case. So he sort of looked forward to people in his music class recognizing his abilities, but knowing that at the end of the class they would go away again, disappear, and he'd be back to being the reject that he, he knew, quote-unquote knew that he was. There ended up becoming a, what's the word? a recurring season of solos between Father Sam Simon and Jamil on the piano on his synthesizer that was set up by someone called One Ball Paul. A big shout out to One Ball Paul if he's still around. And there was an unusual distribution of middle-aged females that would come and sit in the front two rows to listen to Father Sam Simon sing. And he would ask as often as possible for the other musicians to stay quiet and for me to play a solo. <laughs> In hindsight, it's so terrible what he did to the other musicians. He was so charismatic and so charming that they would just do that. But basically, he was saying, shut up and let Jamil play. God help us. So uh, he would do a solo and Jamil would play and it People were mesmerized. They would come in by the masses. We had people sometimes outside the church uh, that couldn't even fit, that would just come in. And so many people would come after another and say, his voice and you're playing together and you know, you're playing Jamil and this and this. So it was something that brought, it seemed, I think in hindsight, brought Father Sam Simon a huge amount of joy. There was, there was criticism, pretty, pretty severe criticism by other people in the choir about Jamil taking up too much of the attention of the music, of the scene, of the volume, of the attraction. And after a while, Jamil couldn't actually take it, so he decided to leave, leave the church. And Father Sam Simon asked him to come back one more day. And there was a brand new synthesizer there, $1,500 worth at the time. So probably in today's you know, money, maybe $2,500. 
doesn't feel that long ago, but it was. And, and father said, play, this is yours. So I guess even, <laughs> even Catholic priests are capable of bribing. <laughs> anyway, take that as you wish. Um, it was a very nice keyboard, I have to say. It just was increasing. It was increasing. Uh, the popularity was increasing. And the book explains why. But Jamil ends up moving to Saturday Night Mass. He doesn't want to play it Sunday anymore. There are too many people. And he can't handle the attention, the people, the noise. So he moves to Saturday Night Mass. And the lady that would sing there, very, de very dedicated. She was as dedicated as she was terrible. And so how can you not love someone like that who tries with all their heart in front of all these people to sing so badly uh, and yet do that out of devotion, dedication? So if she's still alive, I don't remember her name, but she was a lovely person, beautiful personality, and I wish her all the best. I, I wonder if she's still around. I don't have no idea. So he started playing at Saturday night and there was a guitarist there whose name I won't mention. But what was happening was Jamil was unaware that the guitarist could not stand that Jamil was playing there and more people were coming there and more, uh, to, to Mass on Saturday nights now. And people were once again hugging and congratulating Gabriel, but they would never congratulate David. Ah, I just said his name. <laughs> oh, goodness me, that's terrible. <laughs> Clearly, don't ever tell me something <laughs> that you don't want to appear on YouTube. Oh, that's just hopeless. <laughs> oh, this is the worst podcast. All right. <laughs> All right. Over time, David was becoming increasingly jealous of Jamil, but Jamil had absolutely no idea and Jamil thought he had friends in David and David's son. And David came up to him one day and was quite sarcastic, but was very, say, infuriated at Jamil's, what he perceived to be hogging of the, hogging of the, uh, or taking over of the attention or the airspace and Jamil didn't understand his sarcasm. So then David came out and was quite explicit. And Jamil was absolutely infuriated because, number one, Jamil lived his life. He was unconscious of why he was infuriated, actually. And it's not until recently till I've been able to figure this out. But Jamil had lived his life being misunderstood. And without being understood from a very young age, he developed this pathological obsession to, in being understood, or, or to be understood. Not realizing that he would have to understand himself first, which of course we can do as adults quite easily, much easier than in my 20s and teens, of course, especially now with therapy and, and many discussions and topics and study and research. Jamil wanted... He had murderous thoughts of, of David at that point, and not literally, of course, but he was enraged. He was enraged. The beast took over at this point. And the, not only was it that he was misunderstood, but he was actively, as I mentioned earlier, you know, a few minutes ago, 10 minutes ago, 
actively keeping his keyboard volume down against Father Sam Simon's wishes. It was constant. Almost, I would say every week, Sam Simon was asking Jamil to raise the volume on his keyboard. And Jamil would not do so. He would look away. He just did not want to do it, or he'd put it slightly up and then reduce it again. And so to be told that he was trying to raise his volume to compete with David, the guitarist, absolutely lost his mind. He, just, he couldn't believe that the exact opposite was being understood by someone outside of school, completely unrelated to school. He thought, just not again, not again. This is a nightmare. I need to die. I need to jump out of it. So the only thing Jimmy was able to say was, I'm giving you 10 seconds to get away from me. As he was giving him a warning before, you know, Jamil's fist was going to, you know, connect with David's head. And Jamil knew, what he knew at that point was that he was conscious of the fact that when he would become enraged, that it wasn't him anymore. It was the beast that was going to take over. But by this time, Jamil is now six foot two, more than six foot two. And... In, in his physical prime. So him not understanding this made it even worse. Um, as an adult now making a, a threat to another adult, thinking that he was a child. Um, it was Father Sam Simon who, who had to come in between Jamil and David and hold Jamil back as Jamil in the church was swearing off top of his head, saying, move out of my way, I'm going to get this guy, etc., etc., now, Sam Simon finally got Jamil to go home. And by this time, we now have a new character, Uncle Randy. Uncle Randy is Honest Joe's uncle or the great uncle of Jamil. And when Jamil went home and told the story to his parents, they were both horrified and nothing less than embarrassed and highly critical as a parent would and should, I guess, be um, to their child or of their child for them behaving in that way. But Uncle Randy was quite proud that Jamil had stood his ground. And this is going to continue the next section of, of the book, which we'll talk about in the next episode. But, and I'll get back to the continuation of the story of Father Sam Simon in a moment, because this will conclude the Sam Simon era. But starting with Uncle Randy, Uncle Jamil thought Uncle Randy understood Gabriel. And so maybe, maybe Gabriel had just been with the wrong family all this time. And maybe that was his problem. So Jamil is still looking for one thing to solve all of his problems. Why is it that he's in such a nightmare? Why is he suffering so much abuse, so much so many attacks? So much jealousy, so much hatred. Why is this all happening to him? What did he do? He doesn't understand. Uncle Randy lived in the home country of both of his parents, the beautiful Mediterranean of the northern Lebanese Alps, the Lebanese mountains, uh, mountains of green and snow, a place of heaven for Jamil's mind, as, as he had experienced growing up, a place where he had friends. And he was now, he started to develop the idea that perhaps he was in the wrong country this whole time. 
and that if he was in the correct country, then he would not have all of these problems because everyone there, of course, would be, I say this in jest, but at the time, you know, this correlation idea where an extrapolation where you think that because Uncle Randy understands you and he's from Lebanon, so therefore everyone in Lebanon should understand you. So you're in the wrong country. Anyone who, most people over the age of 10 will know that that was, of course, going to be a bad idea, which we discover later. But that's the idea that was planted within Jamil at 16 slash 17. There's another story coming up in the next episode, which will explain why this idea becomes reinforced. But that's for the next episode. This episode will end with the next day where Jamil's parents had instructed Jamil to go back to the church and apologize to Father Sam Simon. And... I'm going to read you the last part of the book to explain what actually happened. Father Sam had once instructed me to move back to the White Mountains north of the Holy Land as soon as possible, being the mountains of my father's uh, birth. And now with dad's and Uncle Randy's support, sorry, now with Uncle Randy's support, the answer was simple. I had simply spent my life in the wrong country. That's what I was just saying. Okay. So when I go back to apologize, I'm going to describe it here. I found Father Sam in the sacristy where the light would stream through the frosted windows of an afternoon, giving a great warmth to the small room adjacent to the cold large room filled with the bleeding Jesus. So the sacristy, as opposed to the cold, wintry feel of the large church, was a small, warm room. It was a room I loved, actually. I had a beautiful feeling in there. Without being able to make eye contact, a mum-inspired mess of an apology was cut off before it could be finished. This is what Father Sam Simon said. Don't apologize. He said, David has already spoken to me. Sam Simon says this. David said that it's either... Jamil or me, I'm not staying. In other words, David said, I'm not staying if Jamil does. Father Sam Simon told David, Jamil's not leaving. All right. What Father Sam Simon did that day was something no one had done before nor since. A precious memory that I share with you almost two decades later from the silence of New Year's Day in the cold, green and white mountains high above my father's birthplace, away from people where the blue sky is both below and above, and in the midst of a perfectly blue sky after last night's snowstorm. I might stop here for a few minutes. A very powerful thing that happened to Jamil that day, and this will affect him for many years to come. And that's where we stop for this episode 10 of Speaking Human series. We're about halfway through. So it's a pleasure to talk to you all. And until next time, don't forget to take life one smack at a time.